everybody. Welcome to the podcast. It's another episode today. I have my buddy Broken Root, my good buddy Richard. He's going to be stopping by. We are going to be talking about his life, his journey in this world of music. And uh, I can't wait to get to this. Me and this dude, we've been on the road together. We uh, traveled between Nebraska and Michigan. We froze our balls off in the freezing Michigan winter. And uh, I would like to think that we're better people for it. I don't know. You be the judge. But um, as always, this podcast is brought to you by my friends at Nothing Productive Entertainment. Go check out them, uh, them, them fine folks on uh, social media. Give them a like. They would appreciate it. I would appreciate it. And uh, hey, enough of my bullshit. Let's get down to the interview with my buddy Richard, a.k.a. Broken Root. Here it is. Testing. Richard. Yo. Can you hear me? I can. Can you hear me? Yeah, buddy. How you doing, man? Good. <laughs> awesome. Hey, just a heads up. I should have sent this to you in a message, but I forgot. Um, whatever you're, you're recording on right now, if the screen goes black, I can't hear you anymore. Just a heads up. Okay. That so, uh, how you been, bud? Oh, been all right, man. Duh. <laughs> I mean, it was this, I don't know if you heard about it, but it was like this fucking pandemic that happened. I did not hear about it, man. I'm a little late to the game on most news. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was the, uh, I had, I was so, in the process of getting my, my stuff back together to start touring again. And then pandemic happened and I was like, well, I think it's time to explore other things right now. So what you're saying is this pandemic has been bad for business. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, in some ways, however, I like, I don't know what the deal is, but as in the last probably four or five months broken root has been starting to get like a lot of traffic and i don't understand why i haven't really done anything to like like there hasn't been like any new releases or anything but for whatever reason people have been really like starting to dig it that's cool man you know i think it i i've kind of seen the same thing with our music like um we put out our ep and I was worried about doing that because, like, you know, you, you put something out and you want to go and play shows. And I, I didn't think it was a good idea, but for some reason it's taken off fine. Uh, so, you know, I think people being at home and not having a whole lot of entertainment has kind of helped them explore, you know, new things or go back to things they used to love and, you know, yeah, re-hit it up. So, yeah, now I'm like... You know, I'm a I'm a full time student, so it's like it's hard to find time to do much of anything right now. But uh, I think it's I'm thinking about really seriously putting some effort into like uh, making some more music uh, soon. So ride this trend. Yeah, where uh, where are you going to school at? What are you or what are you going for right now? Uh so I'm going to. school. Uh, I'm going to SCC here in Lincoln, 
which is a community college and and it's actually for i'm doing the i'm doing the um academic transfer to go to like tunl uh for my degree in psychology right on yeah so i'm going to uh, become a i want to become a therapist but i also like the idea of using what i learned in psychology in my music to see like maybe connect to people and stuff on a on another level so uh you're going to be the musician that helps fix all the other broken musicians <laughs> correct that's awesome always need that guy out on tour so <laughs> yeah you know that's that, <laughs> that's great um, so man, let's get into, uh, the broken root thing, man. Like how long have you been at it? Um, yeah. So I started doing broken root. I want to say it's been four years now. I want to, I'm pretty sure I put my album out in my first album was out in 2015. Uh, it, I, I really kind of did it as a, it all got kind of ca- the catalyst for the whole thing was the death of my father. Um, he was a musician. I was a musician. You know, like, you know, he always used to, you know, he used to be really supportive of me as a musician. But I seemed to, I don't know, I just could not seem to get my shit together until after he died. When he died, it just sort of hit me hard. And, and it made me like want to do it just to show, just to, because it was like, death was the it was made it it made life feel so terminal and i was like i need to get whatever fun things i want to do with my life i just got to do this shit i got to do it now because i ain't got time to waste and so i i I didn't know shit about making an album i didn't know shit about touring i just know i wanted to tour and if i was going to tour i needed an album so i better start getting on it so i made my first album uh took me oh about four or five months i'd say um where'd you record that at my bedroom nice man right out of my bedroom uh i had once i got the songs out um i had some some help from some great local musicians some local photographers uh and i even have one of my so i I really love the idea of motifs in music. And so in my first album, I had this these two songs that I really kind of like wanted to link. And so I had one song that was this like kind of an uh, orchestral instrumental kind of thing. And then it lead it, that song would lead into this other song. And so... Um, I had the, for the orchestral song, I sent it to a buddy of mine in England who made this kind of like this animation for it. And then for the song that came after that, I actually had this local musician friend of mine. Um, she was a she uh, guest vocaled on the track. And so I decided to go ahead and shoot a video at her house um where we got to play like these two parts in the song and 
I had a friend of mine who was a he was a um, cameraman for one of the news uh, corporations around town, like KLN or something like that. I can't remember which one he where he worked, but he was trying to get out of that and he wanted to move into something new. And so he shot the whole thing uh, on his like super high end, like high speed, you know, high dollar, $10,000 camera that he used for, you know, catchy news footage. And then I had uh, another video on that album get put out with some local filmmakers that I've been friends with for years. Um, I gave, they gave me, they gave me a really good deal. Um, and the idea was, is it like, like it would have cost me, would have cost me quite a bit of money if I, had, if I wasn't already attached to these people and they decided to just be really nice and say, just make sure to send people hit their way as much as possible. And so, so there it was So I, before I knew it, I had an album, I had three music videos and I was ready to go on tour. And so I at some point had met a guy named uh, Rue Snyder uh, and he was, he had showed up to a Lincoln open mic. He's from New York. Uh, he was on tour and basically got, got a little bit of pay to show up and play at this open mic for a little bit. And I interrogated him about how the hell did he do that? And like, this motherfucker was like, when I met him, he had been on tour for four straight years. Uh, he had, um, he basically spent 40 hours a week uh, just making phone calls and he had ledgers and all sorts of stuff. So, you know, like he took this seriously and he, I took a lot of notes from him and then I booked my first tour. I, I just made phone calls all over the place. Uh, I had a rough idea of a destination and that was it. Um, made my first, did my first tour, which was, oh, it was uh, 6,000 miles, I believe. It was all around. It went, because it went from Nebraska to Wyoming, Nebraska to Colorado to Wyoming. And then I uh, shot over to, I, Went up into Montana and then over into Idaho and then from Idaho from down into Washington and then from Washington down to Oregon and then to, from Oregon to California, court, then from California to Nevada, um, and then from Nevada to New Mexico and then Arizona and then back up and I hit Kansas and then back home. And that tour took me about a month, I think. Um, got really into it. Uh, I was sleeping in my car the whole time. Um, I had a, it was a Ford freestyle. Uh, it's this kind of an interesting, it was one of the first models of what you would call a crossover where it was, a something between, it wasn't a station wagon, but it wasn't an SUV. And it had like this bulbous back end, but then like it kind of got smaller when you actually looked at it side by side with a Ford Explorer of the same year, it they were literally the same car except that they took they cut off about three inches on the top. Um, so the uh, I 
went on tour with the, you know this this thing was a, it's a relatively comfy car it had the luxury seats and stuff like that you know when it was new but it was a 2006 so it'd been a while since it was new um i went on that first tour after that i came back and then i started work on my well i started dating this this chick it was around here and then the relationship fell apart right around January um, of uh, 2017. Yeah, January 2017. And I, from there, used a, I used all the, like, crazy emotions and things that came out of that relationship and used that as fuel to create, to write a new album. And then I used that album to like, I, I knew I wanted a really solid, um, I wanted this to be better produced than it was previously. And so I actually paid $600 to this local guy that does like, he's been, uh, uh, he'd been, he's been, uh, the, he has run a, a sound studio for the last 30 years. Um, and so this guy, he kind of knew what he, he knew what he was doing. Um, I there was some differences, in, there was some differences in, in our uh, approach that I it kind of made the whole situation not quite pan out as much as I liked. But I did get some solid gems out of that like session. It was a it was a twelve hour or fourteen hour straight marathon session where I sat in like from sun up to it was supposed to go from sun up to midnight. And it ended up going from sunup to like like 2.30 in the morning. And I got, um, this guy has like some really, really high-end mics. Uh, that was one of the positives that did come out of that thing. And when I did that, we we recorded the song. The, 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 the song that came the most, that was the most complete coming right out of the studio was Feel and Fear. And... That song, like I remember when I finished, when I got a chance to hear that played back on these studio speakers and I am have all the people that were in the room with me helping me out and I heard it played back and I just, it, I just started crying because it was like exactly the song I was trying to make, you know? And so from there, I went to, uh, took it home and... Uh, made a, a cinematic, which is basically like a a rough cartoon of a video that I wanted to write. Um, and then I want to say in hmm, July, no August, I think August of 2017, I shot the video for Feel and Fear. Uh, I was naked for most of it and uh covered in mud <laughs> and uh yeah shot the video and then at like i literally got home with the video put it all together placed posted it on facebook and then i went on my next tour um my next tour took me three months and instead of six thousand miles it was like sixteen thousand miles and it went I basically started going in the same direction as the last tour. Only then I went up north. Uh, when I got to Montana, I started 
heading east. And then I basically went east all the way to the coast and then brought myself down the coast and then into New Orleans and and then came back up and then finished. And so it took me about three months to go on my second tour. Um, and that was some, it was an interesting experience. And then um, I got back from tour and then right after, so I say I got back from tour in October and then around January, I got in a car accident and it, it totally totaled my car. And it's the same, the same vehicle I had been driving like for all these years and stuff. And I just never got, I basically never got another vehicle up until like, even now I still don't have one yet because I'm kind of being super picky about it. And I what, think, uh, that's about it. Uh, back, back to shooting the video naked. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what what was that like, man? Were were you a little uh, intimidated doing that shoot? Were you intimidated putting it out? You know, like me, I, I would shoot it and then I would instantly think like, oh, my God, people are going to see my ass, you know? Oh, it's yeah. <laughs> uh, it was. It was something um, I was I'm not really that shy, so it's like I don't mind being naked. What I and what I do tend to be is more concerned about other people's feelings when it comes to me being naked. So, uh, in the video, there's a model that's uh, from up in Omaha that uh, I had hired to kind of be this sort of like demon character that tortures me while I'm pinned to a chair, you know. And she's she's completely naked as well. She's got these claws on in the video and stuff like that, and. You know, I was doing my best to be as respectful as possible. I was both basically both being director and, you know, star kind of thing. And it was, uh, it was, it was definitely, uh, it was very emotionally taxing. You know, the guy's house, I was at this buddy's house and cause he lived out in the country and it was perfect setting, but this guy was not like he was. He's a very progressive cowboy, but he was like, so like he loves, he would smoke weed all the time and stuff like that. But at the same time, it was like, <laughs> he was not exactly, uh, he's not exactly like comfortable with like dudes hanging out naked in his, in his basement. And so, <laughs> you know, and so it was like, he was, it was kind of funny because he was a little bit torn because he he definitely wanted to be downstairs to see the naked chick, but he definitely didn't want to be downstairs seeing the naked me. Yeah. Uh, it's it's like watching porn for most guys, you know? We're, we're there for the chick. We just accept the guy, you know? <laughs> yeah, something like that. So, uh, uh, yeah. So, um, you directed that, too? Yeah. That's awesome, man. You did a great job with that video. I, I, I've seen the video. It's definitely uh, good work. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm very proud of that video. i proud of that video more than I am anything else I've done. Um, I, I do hope to make another, you know, I do hope to put out some more videos at some point. But, you know, it's, it is. It's it's definitely a, a, a source of pride for me. 
So when you hit the road for three months, uh, what is the most lonely part? Did you take anybody out on the road with you or you just flew solo? Yeah, that's probably the loneliest, the, the, the loneliest aspect is that it was by myself. Um, me and my, me and my gear and that was it, you know? And so it got lonely because I would, you know, I would go to a show and I, um, I'd be gone the next day, you know, and it was like, I didn't have time to meet people. Hardly. I would be every once in a while, I'd get lucky and get, be able to get wasted with like, somebody would be there. Like there was a lot of times where I was stopping at places where like weed was legal. And so it was like, you know, people just hand you a joint, like it's nothing. And, uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun, but then it was like next day. It's like, I don't know who I'm going to ever talk to again, you know? There's plenty of people that I met on the road that it was like a, a very ex wonderful experience, and I can't remember half their names anymore. Yeah, it's it's weird how it works, man. Because some nights you get like the biggest high, and then like the next morning it's like a wave of depression hits you. Like, yeah. Oh uh, shit. There was tons of parts too. Like, um, I think for me, like because this was only my second tour and like with the exception of like two or three places, I had never been to any of these places before, you know? So I, it's, it was a lot of like showing up to empty spaces, you know, I would go and I would have shows on a Wednesday night, you know, and it was like, I was supposed to get the door charge and it was like, who the hell's going to go see a, 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 a guy and a guitar on a Wednesday night they've never heard of you know so yeah so I would go to a show and it was like I would get two people show up and it's like I'm out of gas and I got 15 bucks now you know and it's like <laughs> do I get to eat nope uh so yeah it was uh the, the there was a lot of, in fact that would that's I had so I had a, about 50 gigs Po, um, 50 gigs that were um, set for that tour and um, there was a lot of them where it was like it was like that where it was like one or two people you know and it would you'd get I'd get frustrated because I'd be like why the hell am I doing this nobody cares you know and then I would get a gig and it would be there's just be one one person in the, in the crowd that was just totally digging it and then that would make it that would make that would give me the energy I needed to go to the next show, you know. So it it was uh it was a lot. It was a lot of interesting like you know experiences. So before you joined the Broken Root or before you started the Broken Root uh, project, there what 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 other bands have you been in? So. I did a lot of failed experiments as far as like bands went. Um, and you don't have to talk nicely about any of them. If you don't want to you <laughs> totally rip the shit out of care, man. Yeah. Um, I, I'm a pretty personable guy. So I generally, if a, if it doesn't work out, it just doesn't work out. I tend to not get hold too much of a grudge. Um, I've done a few, like there was a, I was in a band and I, I, I attempted a band in high school uh, 
got out of high school, was not much into one for a while, and then see, I, I, well, I moved to Washington State, and then when I was in Washington State, um, I started a bit. I was in a band up there. And so it was an interesting situation because it was just like the the guys that were in the band with me, like the drummer was one of these like super phenomenal drummers. Like it was like, whoa, uh, just amazing. Right. And then his best friend was the other guitarist. And this guy had he was 40 years old and then decided to pick up a guitar for the first time. And it, it was very rough. Um, he was a big ACDC fan. And so that was a lot of what we played. Nice. Um, it was like, there was a point where it was like, man, it was like, cause so the drummer's name was Mike. And it was like, dude, I, I like, I like Forrest. The guy's name was Forrest. <laughs> and yeah, that makes the story even better. yeah so i was like i really like forest and i think you know it's great but like i would like to just do a project with you man and try with some other people and he's like nah man it's me and forest and i was like all right (laughs) so it's like okay you know and then a point came where it was like i was starting to like experiment on doing music on my by myself you know What was interesting about that band, though, with Forrest was that, like, up until then, I was just a rhythm guitar kind of guy. Like, I had never really been that interested in solos or anything like that or kind of lead guitar stuff. Um, I was a in high school. I was like the biggest James Hetfield, uh, you know, fanboy. So I wanted to be James Hetfield. So I was always just playing rhythm guitar and all that. And then. When I got up to that band with Forrest, it was basically I was also going to be his teacher. Like I was supposed to be teaching him how to play guitar while also in a band with him. And so I was like, well, (laughs) I might as well be a little more like under like learn the theory better. And so I bought this book that was like the coolest guitar book I'd ever seen. It was called the Guitar Grimoire. Um. It is this book that looks super satanic on the front cover, but it's like the symbol in the middle of the book that that is supposed to be this like what 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 would be like a pentagram or something is just the circle of fifths, and it was this this book was amazing because once you opened it up, it explained so much about how these different scales work, how to write these different, you know, how to use these different scales, and um. I became kind of obsessed with like doing some more lead stuff. And so I got really uh, got kind of a lot. My look like my skill level jumped up quite a bit just from being in that band, you know? So when it failed, I ended up like trying to do my own metal stuff. And so I created a band called Verbicide and uh, I had created a logo where I took this like, orb weaver spider and change the the symbol on the back of its on you know on the on the rump of the spider i changed it from you know the whatever pattern it had i kind of like photoshop manipulated it so that the pattern was a v for verbicide and 
I had a guitar. I had just gotten this this Dimebag student guitar that was from Washburn. And, you know, it was jet black. Uh, and so I painted a spider crawling away on the back end of that thing. And then I put, I painted some like bite marks on top of the, one of the, the, uh, right above one of the, um, pickups. And then I painted the pickup green. And then I painted like green kind of oozing out the bottom. And so I had that guitar. I still have that guitar actually. <clears throat> but, um, from there, I did the verbicide thing. I actually have two or three songs. Well, I did have two or three songs up on MySpace uh, under verbicide. And then I ended up losing, like, I, you know, I don't even remember what, how to, like, log into MySpace anymore. So, um, <laughs> yeah. And then from there, I came back and then I did a couple of projects here in, here around Lincoln with some friends and stuff that started going places and then it just kind of disbanded and, and then by that point and then at some point i ended up getting into like like one of the things i kind of learned from doing the verbicide thing up in washington state was um doing i it kind of like made me more introspective about my music and so it feels like it kind of progressed to being more into like other introspective music and so i started getting in more into like um some like there's a band called iron and wine who's it's, it's a kind of a folky sound but it's like very unique and so i started looking for more like indie unique sound stuff and then i was listening to that and then whenever my dad died it kind of like brought some a little bit of that anger out of me you know and so then i started injecting that kind of metal anger and stuff into like folk music and that's where like really kind of where broken roots started forming i think that uh that that's one thing that i love about your music man is it, it's music that you can lay down and you can relax to but you can still feel anger you know it's not it's not so it's not music that'll put you to sleep, I guess. You know, it's it's not something that you can lay there and fall asleep to, in my opinion. You know, it's something that'll make your mind really think it, you know, uh, that that song that you wrote about your dad. Uh, um, I got to say, that's probably my favorite song that you have just because when I listen to that one, I can really feel the emotion. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. That song, um, that song, I put that one out. That was the first song I ever put out on that was like distributed somewhere, you know, and it was raw and it was like, I was barely like, I barely wrote it, wrote it. Like I wrote the lyrics, but like, as far as like, like the instrumentation, I was, I almost stole the instrumentation from another, from this other band, uh, City and Color. It's not quite the same, but it's like the progression feels very similar. So, but it was like, I was just in this place where it was like, I just need to get this song out, you know? 
And that's what that was, is that me just pushing it out, you know, hoping that I made like the, the, the side of me that hoped that my dad could hear it. You know, I'm, a, I'm an atheist, so I don't really believe in the whole afterlife thing. But it was just, you know, my dad was such a, a an, an influence to me. And it was like, you know, it's like when somebody like that close to you dies, it's like you have a hard time with all the things you probably should have said but didn't get around to saying yeah um does a song like that for you get any easier to play or does it still kind of go back to the same feelings you had when you wrote it originally uh that's for me that's not how it works i tend to like if i play any song enough it it, it loses its punch and like so like in a way that's kind of what I aim for I like to be able to play a song so well that I can think about getting groceries while doing the song you know I'm with you on that, that yeah that's why I was asking because um, I think it's kind of a shame that it loses its punch but I think that, that at the same time that's just part of being in the entertainment part it, you know being a musician you yeah. know, and playing it so much. I mean, not only do you play this shit live, but you play it practicing it and everything else, you know, you end up playing it a billion times a year, you know, and yeah. um, you do kind of lose the emotional attachment when you, throughout the years of, you know, doing yeah. it. It's probably a shame. You know, it's a shame because, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, one of the things I do like to do with it is like, like stuff like that that song um is like i'll like kind of like start taking notes is like when i do sing it live what what little flourishes get a reaction out of people you know and it allows me to experiment with a song like especially if i already know it so well then i can like play the parts that i'm say that i'm comfortable with but then like experiment with new ways of of delivery yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, honestly, just being a musician, that's just the fun shit to do to, you know, keep yourself entertained every once in a while, you know, be able to have fun with something on stage and, you know. Yeah. It kind of sucks you out of from not being bored with it to, you know. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you one um, thing. One thing it is interesting on tour is the – is – when you play songs live, you start really noticing what what connects with people and what doesn't, you know. And then that, I think, in a way, it informs the way you write the next album, you know, or the next song, you know. So uh, off of that, what what was the one song that you think hit the best with people? And what was the one song that you were kind of thinking, like, uh, maybe this isn't, you know going yeah. as well as I thought it would. Um, hmm. Well, I'll tell you, it's probably one of the, like, there's a song I, I wrote. So my first album, about half the songs were on piano. And I had not been playing piano for very long. And my friend... <laughs> 
my friend Ashley, who was the the the, the blonde in my one song, um, uh, the one that had the video for, uh, she was like, she, she one time said that like she she told me this after I had gotten better with piano, but she said like the the songs from the first album they sounded like I was playing piano with oven mitts on. <laughs> <laughs> And so I was like, ouch. So, you know, those songs, when I would play them live, like the better I got at piano, the more I saw how much I kind of didn't like them. Um, And so I'd like to go back and maybe like, you know, I want to I'd like to tweak them and make them like make the live version a lot better than the one that came off the album. But in general, those are probably the ones that I think also ended up getting the least. Um, reaction out of people you know uh yeah that's like that's probably it so what 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 would you say got the best like was it one that you kind of thought was already the best or was it kind of a surprise pick um so on that last album uh the actual song feel and fear i think really got just on a whole, just it seems to connect with people. Um, I was one of my favorite instances of it connecting. I was playing the streets of Pennsylvania of uh, Philadelphia, and it was um, there was a local musician there that she's. You know, I had uh, we were friends on Instagram, and I so I asked her where was a good place to go play, and she goes, "I'll tell you what, if you go park at this spot." And then just walk a couple blocks down this way, um, you're gonna get right near the downtown. And it was Beer Fest, so it was uh, well, it was, was Oktoberfest at, uh, at this time. So the people, this the way that they handle this in Philadelphia is this area. They just block, they just block the streets in this one spot from one block all the way down to the other. And they make it so that you can only walk from building to building. And then they have these gigantic beer steins that you can buy. And you buy the beer stein, and then all the beer you put in the beer stein is free. So you have a lot of drunk people with huge beer steins walking all around Philadelphia. And I was playing feeling fear uh on that street and this dude walks up and he's like he's like I, you know he's just like this he's a kind of producer of you can tell he's like a musician himself right and so i start this song and i'm playing for him and he's just really jiving on it and then there's that part in the song where i go fuck this place and when i do that the guy just melts down like he's like he was just going nuts and so his friend comes out of the building and he goes dude come here and he's like him and his two his friend and their two girlfriends are all standing around me crowding around me while i'm playing feel and fear and i get done with it and he goes oh my fucking god dude that was the best placement of fuck i've ever heard in a song (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so yeah, I think that's probably like that was that song then generally just for whatever reason. I don't know what part of the zeitgeist it, it hits, but it just it just seems to hit with everybody. That's awesome, man. Um how have you been really writing anything new right now or just kind of waiting for the pandemic to be over? Um, not really. Like I've actually, like I, I've been, so I had a really good show in, uh, I got to tell you about this show I had. I'll tell you about this show I had in, in Oklahoma in a sec, but, um, but I basically met a, there was a journalist at that show and he was like, uh, I had talked about doing, I, you know, I was promoting my album. Like basically what had happened was, is that I didn't have the album finished by the time the tour started, uh, like I had planned. And so I ended up creating a bunch of EPs that was part of this, that were going to be later a big album. And so I had this like mock-up of a, of an actual record album that I'm going to have. And I've been showing it to people. And so this guy in Oklahoma has been really, he asked me about like when next time you come down, make sure, you know, he goes, I got myself a record player so that I can get sure I can play the song. I'm like, play this album. I'm like, Oh shit. (laughs) People care. I guess I better start doing something, you know? And so, so lately I've been, you know, since I've been starting to get all this traffic and stuff and, you know, it's been, I've, been i'm kind of in a, a better stable part in my life right now too so it's like i think it's probably a good time to start the, mu- the music again you know so yeah when was the last time you actually performed um my last last show i think i've had oh man Like it's we oh 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 duh, so that show I actually did with you, that's the last time I ever had a show. Oh really? Damn man. Yeah, when we went to Wisconsin, Michigan, Michigan. Yeah. 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 That that place in Michigan that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was a while ago. Oh, I know. God, it's already over a year. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a good time for sure. So yeah, that's that was the last time I, I ever uh, I, I played uh, like like perfect like anything I would call a gig. I've done some like you know I'll bring my guitar over to a to a party or something and play some stuff, but you know I never I didn't like break out the tip jar or anything. So. <laughs> uh- well, hell, right now, dude, that's considered primetime gigging. You know, I mean, yeah, there, there's not a whole uh, lot yeah, so. of awesome shit going on right now. So, I mean, catching a guy at a party with a guitar—that's that's kick ass. Yeah. So, yeah, I got to tell you real quick about this. Like, okay, so it was like there was a show I was I was booked at in uh, Lawton, Oklahoma. And it's called the, the 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 venue was called the Railhead, and it's actually like a straight metal bar. Like they only book metal there, and my my booking agent got me in there, and like the lady at the that owned the place was like, you know, 
I don't really book acoustic shows. And my, my, my booking agent's like, oh, trust me, he'll fit in. And so <laughs> I get up on stage and I played my show and it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. You know, the other bands are like, oh, and there was, you know, there was uh, three metal bands there with me. And so they were in the crowd and, you know, it was, it was uh, my, I had to do everything I could to like show my chops, you know, if I'm going to be up there on it with an acoustic guitar. I got to make sure I'm people don't, I did, I don't just play like uh, a dude with an acoustic guitar. So I get done with a song, right. And I take a drink and this guy in the, in the, in the cloud goes, play some Slayer. And then I just, without even a hesitation, I break into Seasons in the Abyss. That's and awesome. I blow these guys away. <laughs> and then it was like, so like the show, like during that show, that like I said, there was that, um, there was this uh, journalist that, that was working for the, the local paper there. And he goes to these shows every time they show, you know, and uh, a guy named uh, uh, Scott Rains. Um, he um, he watched me play and I did I did a version of Turn the Page from from Bob Bob Seeger. And he like, dude, he goes, that's the fucking best cover of Bob of turn the page I've seen in a long time, you know, and he actually wrote, he put about 300 words into my cover. Uh, just, he, he put in 300 words, just about my cover of that song. And then that's awesome, man. a little bit. About me. That's a, that's a killer compliment because that's a song that's been covered before by some awesome artists. So, you know, when you get a shout out for that, that's a, that's a great compliment. Yeah. He told me, he talked about how, like I got the, 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 uh-huh, the grunts <laughs> and stuff that, that uh, Bob Seger does and stuff. And so, yeah, I actually look forward to going and getting a chance to go go tour again. Cause I want to go back to Oak to Lawton, Oklahoma. Another great show I did on that last tour was uh, in this little town called, uh, it was San, oh man, it's a, it was a little Texas town, and I can't remember the name of it, but um, it was a population 3000 town, you know, and this bar that was in the um, this bar that was in this town called the Dead Horse. Uh, it was like San Angelo. That's it. This bar called San Angelo, uh, the Dead Horse Bar. I mean, I don't know how to explain it other than if. Okay, so have you seen the movie Dust Till Dawn? Yeah. Okay. This bar felt like the real life version of that bar. Nice. Right on. Like it was like the it was so gaudy that it was comical and cool at the same time. Like you walk into this bar and like the the all the bars like the 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 um 
the booths for like the bar, they like have a spider web pattern to them. Um, everything is like you know red pleather all over everything, and um, like the dude that, that um run the bar, he like you know got tight 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 jeans and chains and piercings and he had like eyeshadow on and stuff like that and like it was it was like this this whole tour i was like really just trying to like trying all sorts of new things with like my look and stuff like that you know and i actually really was really getting into like eyeshadow or not eyeshadow uh um uh, like eyeliner because i like the idea of like being on stage is a performance and so when you're on you know it's basically a costume and things like that and i don't know man it was such a great show um and i made a lot of fans there in san Ang in san angelo texas there that i'd love to go back to the dead horse too so i'm just uh i'm down for anything man at this point i'll take des moines iowa you know i just <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's true <laughs> I'm so damn bored sitting at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man, yeah, I know, and it's just like it's crazy how like how like our brain. It's what I think is interesting too is like the political landscape is melting down because I think everybody's at home and it's like they kind of have to sit there and just think about what they did, you know. And <laughs> I think that the the world is kind of like, like, I don't know. It was funny because it was like, I remember I saw this meme where it was like, you know, talking about the pandemic and it was like day five, I learned to bake cookies day 180. Uh, I think, or no, it was a day, something else. And then it goes day three day 395 of the pandemic and it's like i think that people have just stormed the capital and then it's like day day 400 and it's like uh well some shit posters just took down the the, the, the stock market so that was that went was that went well and it was just like how like everything is just going to pieces like and it's like i think it's just the fact that everybody's cooped up so and it's uh yeah. here here's my question to you for somebody that's studying psychology um yes what uh do you do you think that if we weren't dealing with the pandemic the whole political uh the election and everything like that do you think everything would have been handled much smoother um yeah because i think that we as a culture have gotten really spoiled on just going out, spending money, uh, doing whatever we want. You know, we've, we've gotten spoiled on just relying on the system to like keep things going. And I think it, I think it's allowed us to ignore politics. Like we, as a culture, just don't care about politics and like we have that thought you know well i don't want to talk about politics or or religion or anything and it's like you know i think it's starting to people are starting to see that 
when it comes to politics, you're either you're kind of like there's no way to not be actually political. You're either pro status quo, which is what happens when you say I'm not into politics, or you have a stance that's outside of the status quo. And I think that <clears throat> I think that this pandemic has made everybody start to really like question their their what you know what they believe and what they you know because status quo we're starting to see how badly status quo wasn't working you know and but now we're starting to also see like some really ugly opinions from some people you know that we we respected and stuff and it's like mm, this doesn't feel good yeah, man, it, it, it's crazy. I really hope that, you know, the division can come to an end. You know, we can come back together after this. You know, I, I the last thing that I would hate to see happen is, you know, the, the we beat this pandemic and still be politically divided. I think that'd be so dumb. Yeah. Yeah, I can agree with that. So... This, you know, we need to like, I think it's like, we need to like, just learn to like, accept the science. <laughs> I can't, it just shock. It blows my mind how little people seem to like, believe the scientists. It, it, that are, I, I agree, man, because I am, I believe in science all the way, man. I think that, you know. Uh, the one thing that's really drove me crazy about this pandemic uh, is I've seen a lot of doctors who, you know, believe certain political bullshit and, you know, they're they're not into believing about, you know, how dangerous COVID is and they've dismissed the danger of it. And uh, it's like, how the fuck are you a doctor? You know, I mean, well, that's the problem is that like we're starting to see like okay so like you have a guy like dr drew dr drew is barely a doctor yeah um he's a he's he's a celebrity way before he's a doctor and he's like you actually talk to other other doctors and they're like he's just fucking he doesn't know what he's talking about half the time you know but that's the problem is that like on paper he is a doctor he is a doctor of medicine and he is saying things like the this is not much worse than the flu. Well, you got you got a dumb shit opinion like that. And there's a lot of people that are gonna go say, Good, good enough for me. Dr. Drew said it's just like the flu. Yeah, I I I get that, but like another perspective, I guess. Now, I'm not trying to stick up for Dr. Drew because I have no dog in this fight, but uh like I, yeah. I've heard that he's a a doctor to celebrities like my thing is with that is do, do other doctors try to dismiss him because they're a little butthurt because he is like a, a celebrity and they're not oh yeah yeah i don't know <laughs> it's fucking i mean that's just, it's these are the things that keep me up at night thinking about <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think that uh <clears throat> I think that the one skill that we really need to like teach in this country that I think would just do everybody a whole lot more, do a whole lot of good for everybody is critical thinking. Um, just 
think about, you know, rather than taking the word of, of, you know, instead of just trusting one, one professional, look at all of them, you know, cross examine things. Um, don't fucking just listen to one thing and then say good enough, you know, because the problem is, is that like even doctors are human. And so you're going to have doctors with shitty opinions that got there, uh, you know, honestly, or they even got there maliciously. Like there's a doctor that believes that, that, you know, he got, he got his license taken away, but there's a doctor that believes that, uh, that people are sick because of technology. And so he thinks that the, the, this is caused by 5g. <laughs> this is the, the COVID is, a, is caused by 5g and not by a virus. Yeah. And see, what's scary about that is that asshole has probably seen, you know, a, a ton of patients and spread that bullshit into their mind. And, you know, then you have that many more dumb people walking around believing that, oh, this is 5G. Yeah, I have somebody yeah. I have somebody in my family that believes that and we constantly make fun. of So. as. <laughs> <sighs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's this this, this yeah i don't know it's just i'm trying to do my best with you know to just give people be patient with other people's thoughts and opinions and stuff while you know it's it's a tough road to want to correct people and and do it you know in a respectful way you know because the problem with belief is that it's belief is oftentimes not really attached to evidence. Um, and so that's, that's the same region of the brain where the, the where religion is, you know, you know, belief is not about evidence. And so when somebody truly believes that, you know, lizard people are controlling the government, Man, it's tough to like show them evidence because, oh well, yeah, that's what the lizard people want you to see. Yeah. Oh, uh, you got to watch out for the lizard people, right? That—that's actually yeah. how the pandemic started. Was somebody licked one of the lizard people? And, uh, <laughs> the outbreak happened. Yeah. So yeah, I've been. Uh, so I'm. I'm really looking to start doing, I was actually going to put a cover album together during my last uh, school break. I might do it in my next one. Um, just so I can get my chops back up. There's a song I've been trying for years to like get down on piano. It's called it's mine hurts Brent by uh, Rammstein. They do a, it's, it was very fascinating because the song, they did it twice on the same album. Um, and they, they, they had like the regular Rammstein style of, of version, which is like, you know, the, the techno guitars and stuff like that. And then they have a classical piano version. And it's just the piano until, you know, singing. And... I always notice that, like, if you look up Mein Herz Brent uh, cover on, like, YouTube or something, you find lots of people that can play it or guys that are, you know, that can sing it. 
but nobody does both. And so that's my goal. I'm going to be the, I want to be the guy that does play the song and sing the song. Right on. So do you like, do you already know how to play it on guitar then or something you got to learn? Uh, I'm not, I'm playing it on piano. I'm solely playing it on oh, piano. Oh, okay. All right. Gotcha. I thought you were going to try to switch your own. Yeah. I, I'm, no, I'm going full good piano on this one. So, but it's, it's a daunting task because it's, <laughs> it's not a simple song. So if you were going to do an album then with uh, some covers, what, what are a couple other ideas you have? Um, so I was going to do, well, I had some, I, oh, well, I don't know. A few months back, I actually put out a poll on, on Facebook and asked people if I were to do a cover album, what songs would they want me to do? And so, uh, I got a list from that. I think I'm one of them. There's a song from Tom Petty I'm going to be doing. Can't remember what the which one it is. It's not one that I norm I'd ever heard before. Like it's it's kind of a beach B side kind of song. So, um, and then there's a song called Demons by a guy named Jacob Lee that's that uh, I really dig that I'm going to cover. Um. I do already do a few covers. Like there's a song called, um, there's a song called, um, uh, oh, oh, I'm going to brain fart. Uh, the, there's a guy named, uh, Ryan Adams, not Brian Adams, but Ryan Adams. And there's a song from him. I was going to cover. Um, I was actually thinking of doing like, some like an acoustic guitar version of some like harder metal song or something, but I don't know yet. I'm I'm kind of like playing it by ear. When you said Ryan Adams, the first thing that popped into my head is that's what happens when you buy Brian Adams off a of wish. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. No, man, that'd be really cool to hear, dude. Uh, yeah, the whole the whole putting out a cover album idea that's actually been something that I've been kind of thinking about too, just because I think it would be just fun to put out a few tracks on Spotify. Because I've never really been big into doing the whole cover thing, and uh, we covered uh, the Bob Dylan song "Masters of War" on our EP, and then after doing that, I'm kind of a little bit more open to the idea. So, uh, yeah. One of the things I actually want to like, <clears throat> so I really like to, I love the concept of gender bending. Um, I want to, I want to cover, I want to cover a song from a woman and I want to like cover it just as I am, you know, with my voice and, but don't change a single word. So like if, if at any point in the song, she says something, you know, uh, that, refers to her gender i want to just keep it straight and just just keep it the way it is and just sing as if i'm a woman you know i think it's i heard i've heard a couple of times with uh jack white do that you know and i think it's a really uh raw it's a real it's a real good way to like just stay in touch with the song you know 
Yeah, I think, you know, if, if you're covering a song, you know, I mean, why why change it? You know, I mean, it's, you know. Exactly. You can't. You know, are you so insecure with your masculinity that you can't say uh, I'm a woman? Or yeah, I like mean. Come on, you know. It, yeah, that that's crazy that people are still, you know hung up on that you know if you're gonna cover a song by a woman you know you gotta you gotta pay it just as much respect as you know a, a woman would a, a covering a male you know and that's the thing they don't really change too many lyrics when i hear females cover oh, cover know. male stuff yeah when women cover male stuff they don't they all the time they'll sing it like a man you know and it's like sing it from the perspective of a man it's like well you know if the song is from a perspective of a woman, it's going to be from a, a perspective of a woman. Just keep it, you know, honor that. Don't, don't be so insecure with yourself that you can't say, you know, say something that sounds like that a woman would say. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, that's where I'm at. What what is going to school like right now, man? Very interesting. Um, the school is definitely like so they're doing their best to accommodate the situation. So there's a lot more online availability, and a lot of the classes are like if you're sick, just stay home. Don't even worry about attendance. Just stay home. You can, uh, and it's what a lot of the classes are doing is actually uh, doing their classes online, like having zoom on while they're in class. So you don't have to worry about like coming to class. Nice. Uh, I think, honestly, I think this pandemic is good. I think what this pandemic means for like, like elementary school kids is that snow days are numbered. I don't think there's going to be snow days anymore because now we're going to get a point where it's like, Oh, can't get to school. All right. Well, just turn on your Zoom. Yeah, man. I mean, the other thing is, too, I mean, I've heard I have friends that work, you know, in different companies that are compute computer oriented that where they're talking about just like letting people work from home from here on out because it'll save money on offices. You know, it's like, yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this could be a game changer. I'm sure it is. I know they. I know one economist was saying how like I think like this has made store shopping. This is probably going to make store shopping much more of a niche thing because like one of the big uh, one of the big things that was like making keeping um, uh, like stores open was old people that would still shop there, right? And this pandemic is forcing old people to like try online shopping now. And so many of them have tried on they're, they're trying online shopping and getting so used to it. that now that they're, they're not going to want to go back. Oh man. Yeah. I, I mean, both of my parents are doing it, man. So, I mean, yeah, the, before this, that was, they were going to the store, you know, and now everything's just delivered to their front door. So, I mean, and my mom loves it. I don't see her going back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. 
so yeah, man, we got to hit the road sometime soon. We got to get after this pandemic's out, man. Uh, we got to get back out and do some shows together. That'd be great. I'd love that. Uh, I'm looking to do like more. I'm I'm starting to like. I want to. In, I'm going to integrate electric guitars more into my stuff, and I'm trying. I want to get a hold of a loop pedal that does longer than uh, that does. Like, cause my problem right now is like the only uh, pedal I have that has a loop function on it. It's like eight seconds max, and it's like that's not really enough time. So, but I'd like to get like something a more serious loop pedal and then like start playing around with like doing whole songs with like more complexity to them with my electric guitars. Cause I have this Gretsch that I really love playing on. What all guitars do you have? I have, <clears throat> I have uh, three electric guitar or three acoustic guitars. Um, one is, well, see, both of my, uh, I have a 12-string Alvarez and a 6-string Alvarez. And then I have one that's just literally like a generic guitar. And the funny story about that guitar is that I got it on tour. Uh, it was, I had, um, I had couch surfed at this uh, dude's house. And like this guy, he's somebody who, he does couch surfing regularly. So he gets like regular people that come over and stay there. And he had like a whole like pile of like shit that people left behind. <laughs> and he, one of them was this tiny guitar. <laughs> and I was like, I think I could just go fix that up. It'd be kind of fun to have. And so I took it with me. Um, and then from there I have, so I have my Washburn dime guitar for electric, but it's that kind of out of commission. I need to, change the guts up and then i need to put a new uh uh nut on the top so and then i have um a samic that is kind of a les paul copy and then i have my gretch and then uh, i think that's it for my guitars right on man that's a nice uh collection yeah it's it kind of started getting bigger. You just, I don't know what it is about guitars, man. You just think, well, but I kind of need this. And then, you know, before you know it, you're like, oh, I got a, got more than five. Yeah, it's like that tattoo addiction people talk about. Yeah, You get totally. one and then the next thing you know, you got five. Yeah, I think I need to like change the wall up on my room so I can like start hanging guitars up here. <laughs> yeah get them wall hangers man them are kick-ass uh that, that's kick-ass decorations for sure yeah absolutely spice up the room a bit yep oh yeah man so before we wrap up here uh where can people check out your music your videos all that uh you got any merch for sale uh yeah, so, uh, I got some merch for sale on my. Uh, I still got some T-shirts left. Um, I do have lighters. I got lighters up the freaking wazoo because you have to buy a minimum of two hundred and fifty. So, <laughs> but I have lighters that are bottle openers on one side, 
And then I have T-shirts. I have two designs. I have the old first album design, and I have some new designs that are on uh, uh, that are also available. Um, and then I have, if you want to go to, if you want to, if you're looking for my merch, you can go to brokenrootman.com. Um, I have a Twitter as Broken Root Man. Um, I'm on Instagram. I probably do Instagram more than anything else when it comes to like the band stuff. Um, I also have uh, Facebook. If you look me up on there, it's important that if you look at it up, it's Broken Root with just a singular root, not with an S. Uh, there is another band called Broken Roots, and apparently. They very recently were on like America's Got Talent, and everybody had to let me know. Oh, that, just so. rubbing it in, huh? <laughs> right, right. So, um, and then, yeah, check me out on YouTube, Broken Root. Um, I got a bunch of videos. I'm real proud of the videos I do have up there. Um, I do intend to put out some more. Uh, and yeah, I think that's about everything for me. Right on, man. Well, I'll vouch for the videos. They're kick-ass. Everybody should check them out for sure. So. All right. Well, thank you very much. All right, dude. Well, I'm going to let you go. I appreciate you taking some time out, man. When uh, you get anything new going on or you just you know want to do another podcast sometime, let me know, man. I'd love to do another one with you. Will do. That sounds great. All right, brother. Take care. Be safe, man. Good luck in school, man. Yeah, thank you. All right. Later, brother. Later.